You got it? Can I help you? You got it? Well, what's up, everybody? It's so good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. Welcome to DV. We are super happy that you're here, you guys. Glad you made it. Let me just tell you a little bit about what we do here at Doral Vineyard. So Doral Vineyard is a place where we love to create spaces where a desire for following Christ and growing in Christ is nurtured, it's celebrated, and it's attractive. This is a place that you can bring your friends to. We love to have people feel valued and accepted, where they can find a place here where they can experience God's presence here like you experienced it today. Not just for you, but to share it with others. We believe in disciples making disciples, us following the teachings of Jesus and trying to help others follow the teachings of Jesus as well. And so you're here. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Doral Vineyard. It's a little bit about who we are. We're glad that, that you decided to make Sunday church today in spite of the hurricane. Um, thank God it went the other way. I'm still praying. Matter of fact, why don't we pray right now <coughs> for those people in the Bahamas and anybody else that is still in harm's way. Father, we just lift up right now this situation with this hurricane, God. And Father, we pray for your grace and your peace. And Lord, we just do what Jesus did, <clears throat> who was in the middle of a storm in the New Testament. And he spoke to that storm and he said, peace be still. <clears throat> and so God, we just pray right now, peace <coughs> be still. Go back into the sea where you belong and do not harm anybody. anybody. And we pray for protection. We pray for the resources, God. We also pray that we would be the church that if there is any danger or, I'm sorry, if there's any uh, things that is happening, dis disasters, that we would be the church to stand up and stand in and help others that are in need, God. What is our response, God? Show us and, and that we could be people who respond, not just, you know, we pray, but we pray and do. That's who we are. Thank you, God. We love you and we bless today. We bless what you're doing in the people and the lives of the people of the Bahamas, and, and Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe and keep them full of faith and rebuking and, and, and get that storm out of there, Lord, and, and what you're doing in our church as well today, we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you do open them up to Matthew chapter 15. We're in the middle of a series today that we're calling Skills, and so we're going to continue in our series on skills today, and today what we're going to be talking about um, is, the title of the talk is called Two-Faced, Two-Faced, and, and so it's, it's about like when you say something and you do something else, and you know, why don't we, Matthew 15, if you have a Bible, you can look it up. If you have your, like, electronic, like I do, your phone or your tablet, you can actually open it up and look at the YouVersion Bible app. We actually have an instructional video coming up on the big screen behind me for those of you who are visual learners like me, and all you have to do is download the YouVersion Bible app, tap on that, you have it. Then you go to the bottom right where it says more, and you'll see it up there on the big screen. And then there's another page that comes up that says events. Click on that. And then what'll pop up is a list of churches. And we'll be like, watch, events, boom. 
and then we'll be right at the top because we're like number one. I mean, that's who we are. And so you can click on Doral Vineyard Church and then the sermon title and the notes and the verses, all that is right there. You can follow along that way. Or there's a card in the seat pocket in front of you. You can grab out and a red pen um, that you can feel free to use as well there and um, take notes about anything that might you think might sticks out to you that might be able to help you this week. So next week, I want to tell you that we're going to talk about folks who are, who are like, so picky next week. We're going to talk about that. We're, in this series of skills, we're talking about how we deal with different types of personalities. So uh, ne- this week, we're talking about two-faced folks. Next week, we're going to talk about very picky people. And I have to tell you that of all the messages that I've spoken in this series, this is the one that I'm super passionate about, the one that I feel like I can't wait to share with you next week about the people that are so picky and how you deal with picky people. But today, uh, we're going to talk about still those folks who are two-faced. So let me just ask you with a show of hands, how many of you guys know people that are two-faced? Raise your hand. Yeah, you know someone? All right, good. You could put your hand down. How many of you guys... um, um, know people that are Christians, people who say they are followers of Christ who are two-faced. Raise your hand. Okay, I got a couple of hands, all right? Put your hands down. How many of you are sitting next to someone that is two-faced? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We don't want any fights to break out here at our church. After all, you guys are followers of Christ. We don't do that, right? Okay, so, you know, the, the number one criticism that I hear from people who are not followers of Christ, non-Christians, about Christians is that we are what? Do you know? Just say the word. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. They say it. And what is a hypocrite? We're going to unpack that, right? The church is just, I don't go to church because they're so full of hypocrites. In fact, I was um, at a restaurant not too long ago, and I was with my family, and we were, we were um, eating, and I typically do this if it's not too busy in the restaurant and it's not too full. I ask the server, I say, hey, so after, you know, after they've taken our order, what do you want? We've given our order. And I say, hey, one more thing. After, um, you know, when the food comes out, we're going to say a prayer for our food. Is there anything we could pray for you about? Now, typically when I ask that question, the waiter goes, what? Yeah, and so I repeat it, you know, so after the food comes out, we're going to say a prayer for our food. Is there anything we could pray for you about? And what happens sometimes is that I get a really positive response, and that happened this time. I, I got a really positive response, and, and so, you know, this waiter would come back and forth to our table and, you know, bring napkins and food, and we have kids, so a lot of napkins and food and, and drinks and all this stuff, and they're back and forth, and we're chit-chatting back and forth and talking, and, and, um, and, and so I could tell, you know, that this person, you know, they, in the midst of that, when I tell them about prayer, it kind of opened a little bit of a door, and, and they were talking about how they weren't very religious. And so eventually, after so many times of them visiting and us having these, t- we were, they weren't busy, so we talked a lot and joked and laughed and stuff, and, and I just, I did the ask. You guys know what the ask is? I said, hey, so um, I know you're not very religious, and you're not really a church person, but would you consider coming to my church. I would love for you to be my guest. As a matter of fact, I would love for all of us to practice that together right now, just because I want us to be an inviting church. So let's practice. Say, 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 um, uh, say, uh, everybody say, would you consider coming to my church? I would love for you to be my guest. Okay, you could do that. You could practice that this week on somebody, okay? So I, I said that, and they said, oh, no, thank you. Um, 
You know, I don't go to church because, just like I said, the number one reason, because the church is full of hypocrites. And so I looked at them, and I was like, okay. I said, well, you know what? Don't let that stop you. I said, don't let that stop. You should come. It's okay. We've got room for one more. We would love for you to be a part of our church. And why did I say that? Some of you got that. Some of you did it. The waiter didn't get it. Uh, but, but why did I say that? Because the truth is there's a little bit of a hypocrite in all of us at times. And so the question that I want to ask you guys today is oh, how do we deal with people who are hypocrites? You know, this word hypocrite, the, the root word in the Greek, it's translated as, Jesus would use this in the New Testament, hupokritas. And if you're taking notes, this word means like an actor, an actor who would have different masks, right? And they would either have the, the happy mask on, and then they would put it down. Maybe you've seen it in movies or, 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 or pictures, you've seen it, and they'll have the other mask, and they got the sad face on, right? And they put it down, they got the surprise face on. And so they, a hypocritas is an actor that is pretending to be something that they're not. And so that's, that's what hupokritas is. In fact, the word that we use to describe the actors in a Greek play, you may have seen that before. They, 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 they're pretending to be something that they're not. Jesus, over and over again, he was never, ever soft on hypocrisy. In fact, there's one verse to me that really summarizes and captures the essence of the problem of hypocrisy. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15, if you've already found it, verse seven and eight. He called out the hypocrites, most of the ones he would call out were the Pharisees. He would call them out again and again, and he said this. He said, you hypocrites, and then he quoted the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Verse eight, he said, these people, and you guys can help me out. What do they do? They honor me with what? Help me out, everybody. Say it aloud. They honor me with their lips, but what happens with their hearts? They, their hearts are far from me. In other words, these Pharisee people, these Pharisees, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk, right? They, are, they, they say one thing, but their hearts are so far away from God, and they don't live that way. They're actors. They say one thing and do something else. And tragically, this can be a very common problem among followers of Christ. Now, you may be here and you say, you know what, I'm not really a follower of Christ yet today, and that's okay. You can sit back and relax. This message is not for you, but you can say, we'll come back to you in a few moments, but if you are a follower of Jesus, this, I think it's a real problem of hypocrisy, because if, you know, the Bible, he was not, Jesus was not apologetic about hypocrites. He would hit hypocrites pretty hard, and it, it, it could be, maybe you know one at work that is like this, that says, oh yeah, I went to church, I had this great word from God there, and, and then the, you hear them the next moment, they're cussing and talking inappropriate about women. It could be that, key, that, that guy in school, the student, right, who uh, is like known in church as like a prayer warrior, but then when they go to school, they're cheating on all their tests, right? It could be that the, the church lady, the gossip church lady, right, that she disguises everything in prayer. Oh, we're praying for so-and-so. Did you hear about this? Oh, yeah, they knew they do this and this and this, but we're gonna pray for them, right? It could be that they know all the gossip going on in church, or it could be that guy who's like very spiritual, ultra-spiritual. Oh, praise God, hallelujah, God is shining on today. 
today. You know, we bless him today, right? And then they go home and they use those same, that same mouth to uh, use abusive words on their family, right? It's called hypocrisy, called two-faced, and God actually hates it. And so the question today is, how do we handle people who are two-faced? What's our role with it? As followers of Jesus, what is our role? Now, you may say, well, hey, um, I'm not really sure. I'm gonna talk about two extremes that are actually, I think, they're wrong. Well, what is our role? Two-faced people, how do we deal with this? Let me take a pause and first say this, that you know, if you are a follower of Christ and you are talking with someone who's not a follower of Christ, and you see that their behavior is not acting like they're a father of Christ, it's not really all right to deal with someone who's not a father of Christ, to judge someone that's not a father of Christ. Look, they're not living by godly standards. They're not trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. So you know what? That let them do their, our responsibility as fathers of Jesus is to love them toward God, love them toward God, but we don't judge them because they're not living by the same standards we are. Now, what's different is if we are a follower of Jesus, right? What should be our role? Some people think, and I think this is a wrong extreme, is like this, what I would call a laissez-faire, hands-off, you know, I'm just, I'm not gonna do anything about this, you know, which in our culture, it's very celebrated because, you know, we, we, we hold tolerance in such a high regard in our culture, it's almost like an idol today. A lot of people say, well, hey, judge not lest you be judged, right? It's none of my business as long as it makes them happy, you're happy, you can do whatever you want. I'm not gonna get involved, that's your thing. It's not my thing, but if you wanna do that, you know, there's never any sense of helping another follower of Jesus overcome a sin. And in my opinion, that is a, a wrong extreme. That's a wrong extreme. There's another wrong extreme, which is the hyper-confrontational, inwardly judgmental, nitpicking every little thing apart, right, without any love, zeroing in on all the small things. Well, you're not using the right Bible version, right? You're, you're not praying right, right? You don't worship right at church, and it's confrontation without any love. And listen, there are few things that have hurt the church more in our culture, in our day, than hyper-confrontational people who are judgmental, who are hypocritical, who are, say they're followers of Jesus, always breathing down someone else's neck about uh, telling them everything that they're doing wrong. You did this wrong, and you did this wrong, and you did this wrong, right? And so what do we, what do, we do? What's our role? What's our role Somewhere in between, right? Okay, we're gonna talk about that. And let me just be clear about this, that as a follower of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, the Bible is actually full of examples of people who are followers of God and followers of Jesus who would confront people whenever they were, who were other followers of Jesus lovingly to bring them back to right place with God. And you can see this over and over again in the Old Testament. God would raise up prophets right? And the prophets would speak on behalf of God and they would say, hey, you're forgetting who, they're talking to the people of God, you're forgetting who you are. I want to call you back to the, to the covenant 
that you made with God. You're a child of God. You don't act that way. You don't talk that way. You're a child of God. You need to repent and get right with God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God would raise up prophets like this. And you can see it in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians chapter two. You can read about Paul when he opposed Peter right? Because Peter, he, he was eating with the Gentiles, but then when a certain group of Jewish group came around, he was like, oh no, I, I don't know those people. I don't eat with them. I'm over here with you guys, right? And Paul was like, hey, don't be two-faced now. No, 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 this is not the time, Peter. Don't. And he, he confronted him in a lovingly way. Look, you were eating with them yesterday. Don't say that you don't know them, you know, and he confronted them, and he opposed them to his face in love. Now, we can read in Matthew chapter 6, And you can watch how Jesus, three times, he calls out those two-faced hypocrites. He says, first of all, when you pray, don't pray to be heard. That's being two-faced, right? When you give, don't give to be seen. That's being two-faced. When you fast, don't let everybody know, hey, look how spiritually, you know, what a spiritual giant I am. I'm fasting today. No, he says, look, don't do that. You're gonna watch over and over again that we actually, as followers of Jesus, have a call to help other followers of Jesus who are living in a way that is not according to the teachings of God. And so what I wanna do today is talk about three different prayers that we might prayerfully consider um, as we are called to confront, not if, but when we're called to confront. And the reason that I really wanted to talk about prayers because you know what? We don't dare to confront people in the flesh. We confront people in love. We gotta show them that it's very much being led by the Spirit of God to confront in a way that will bring healing. Can somebody say yes? So three prayers today that we're gonna talk about and a good portion of scripture that I would love for us to look at. We don't really have time today to look at it, but if you can, during the week is Matthew chapter 18 and where it talks about if a brother sins against you, what you should do. You, you know, the Bible talks about go and show him the errors of his ways. That's Matthew 18. But today, we're gonna look at Galatians chapter six, verses one and two and we're actually gonna get the first two prayers that I'm gonna share with you today from that passage. So first prayer, you'll pray if you, when you need to confront someone who is living a two-faced lie. Number one is this prayer, God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Look at Galatians chapter six, verse one. Paul said it this way. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should do what? Please help me out. You who are spiritual should what? Restore him gently. You should go to him, right? And help them be restored to God. Here's the problem. For some holier than thou judgmental Christians, right? They go and they confront someone and their goal is what? Their goal is to be right, right? They just wanna be right. They don't, that's their goal. They just want to be right. That's not what the scriptures is teaching. There's a huge difference. Listen to it again. Your goal is not to be right, right? It's not I'm right and you're wrong. No, it's I'm going to show you the error of your ways and your goal is to love them back into a relationship with God and you restore them gently. And I'll give you an example of this. Marie and I, we live in in these condos in West Kendall. 
We're trying to move up to Doral. We'd love to be up here. Pray for us, all right? Um, and so the thing is, these condos, we share walls with our neighbors, so we're really close. And our cars are parked right in front of our door. So like, pretend this is our door. We open it up, and our cars are right here. But so are their doors parked, right? And their cars are right there. And so one particular day, um, as school started, uh, I was, Marie went off to work, she goes earlier, and I'm trying to get the boys ready, and you know how it is with kids, um, our urgency is not their urgency, and so time was running short, and we're trying to get out of the house, and I got frustrated, and I lost it. And I start yelling and threatening and get your behind in the car right now. And so um, finally, I open up the door. And when I open up the door, who is there but my neighbor standing at his car? And he's looking and he's like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I just did one of these. You know, we talked about two-faced. I just went, Yes, everything is fine. It's a beautiful day. And so he said, wow, I heard you yelling. And I was like, oh, you heard that? And he's like, yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a little frustrated. And he's like, I get it. I have kids too. He said, I just want you to remember, we don't have them forever. And he said, man, if you ever need a break, you could always bring them over or pop in a movie. It's not a big deal. We have kids too. And I was like, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so, you know, got in the car, got the boys and, and all that. But what did he do? He was very gentle with me. Uh, he wasn't, what are you doing? Yelling at your kid. You know, he, he was very gentle with me. And I, I love that. When someone, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to, frustrated, threatening, yelling, right? What happened? God used someone whose goal was to restore and to help me see the errors of my way. See, there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. There's a helpful way to do it, and there's a hurtful way to do it. And I saw a very helpful way, actually, not too long ago in a small group. There were these couples, married couples, and there was one who was thinking crazy thoughts, and he was tired of his marriage, and he decided... He was done, and so he told the group, I'm done with my marriage. He actually had a little side fling going on, and he was going to go to the side thing, and the guys, the married guys in the, in the group, they said, no, we're not going to let you do it. We're not going to let you do it, man. You're going to ruin your marriage. You're going to ruin your kids. You're, don't do it. We're not going to let you do it, and so for the next three months, they would call and leave text messages that were loving. Hey, man, we're here for you. Hey, man, we love you. Hey, we're praying for you. Hey, man, don't do it. Hey, we're, we're, we, we want to help you get better. And he would push back. He said, don't waste your time. I'm done. He would push back for three months. He would push back, and they would push back in love. And let me tell you what happened. This guy finally, after three months, he finally got a light bulb open. And he's like, what am I doing? 
what am I doing? I have everything here, and I'm about to lose everything. And he turned around, and this, his marriage got, the, the guys actually pulled together and paid for marriage counseling for him and his wife for three months of marriage counseling. They, out of their own pockets, they paid for this guy to have marriage counseling. And he did, he went through it, and his marriage was restored, and it's better than it ever has been. And I love that. We restore people. We fight for them, right? And, and so we, we don't let people... Um, we don't let just people, just whatever you want to do. No, look, if God ever use, uses you to do something like that, let me show you in scripture what you have done. In James chapter five, verse 19 and 20, it says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should do what, you guys? Help me out, say it. What should what? Should? Yes, bring him or her back. He's trying to live two lives. He's trying to be two-faced. And you just help him. Look at what it says. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Brother to brother, sister to sister, there are times when God will call us to lovingly confront with the goal of restoration. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Number two, the second prayer, if when you need to confront, pray God, help me to confront with caution. Help me to confront with caution. Help me to be very careful when I confront. Galatians chapter six, verse one and two. Brothers, we just read it. If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently but watch yourself, or you may also, you also may be tempted. Be careful. Confront with caution. Watch yourself. Paul told the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he said, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Can everybody say, confront with caution? Say it again a little louder if you don't mind. Amen. Confront with caution, yes. Here's the deal, whenever you confront someone, we have to do it very carefully. Whenever we confront someone, we are vulnerable to the sin of pride. Why? Because you feel right. You feel like you're confronting someone else and you're the godly one. And if you're not careful, what comes after pride, Scripture says, what comes after pride? Anybody know? Pride comes before a fall. So we have to be careful if you think you're standing firm that you don't fall. And here's the deal. If you feel passionate enough about something, there might be a very significant reason why you feel passionate about that sin. Maybe it's your weakness, Maybe you've been impacted by it, but whatever the reason, you need to be careful as you confront. For example, I confronted a guy this week about his anger with his family. How ironic is that? I just finished telling you a story of how I failed at this, right? And so I'm confronting him about this, right? And so why am I so passionate about it? Because I am vulnerable there. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you confront somebody who's a drug dealer, that in three months you're gonna be smuggling drugs too. No, I'm not saying that, all right? Well, what I'm saying, that is, what I'm saying is uh, that you need to be careful, you need to be very careful when you confront 
So you confront with caution. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration, right? It's not I'm right and you're wrong. It's I love you so much, and because I love you, I want to help you be right with God. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is, God, help me to confront with caution. Be careful so that you don't fall. And so let me introduce you to the third prayer this way. I just shared with you guys about, I just shared with you guys about my, 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 my mistake, right? About how I fell, right? How I, I'm, I was angry. How I tell you guys, be patient, and yet I'm the one that is being impatient. And so number three is, God, help me to see when I am two-faced, not just Pastor Abdi, help me to see when we are two-faced, right? Help me to see because the bottom line is at one time or another, we are this. Can somebody say yes? Aren't we? Right? We, call, we, we, we can all be two-faced. In fact, when Jesus was talking to the two-faced Pharisees, he would often call the Pharisees blind guides. You're leading people in the wrong direction. You're blind. You don't even see it, and you're blind. You don't even see that you're being two-faced because the problem is that being two-faced is really hard to see in the mirror. It really is. There's no better example of this than in the Old Testament. If you've been around the church, you might know this story. You may have heard this story. King David, he was supposed to be at war, right? It was the time, the springtime, when kings go off to war. He was supposed to be at war, but he, he, he wasn't at war. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so what happened? He saw something that he wasn't supposed to see, and then what happened? He did something that he wasn't supposed to do, right? And so what did he, saw? What did he do? He, he saw Bathsheba. He was on the roof, of his, of, his, of his castle, his, wherever he's at, he's in his house, in his, I think a castle probably, and he's at the top and he's looking, he sees Bathsheba bathing. And he's like, all right, hey guys, hey guys, go get that pretty young thing over there and bring her to me. And so yes, he goes, he brings her and, and, and he committed adultery with her and he got her pregnant and then he was trapped, right? And so he told his guys, hey guys, go get his, his, her husband and put him in the front of the line. Essentially, he was causing her husband to die. He was murdering her husband. And he thought that he could get away with it. And then one day, a brother, a prophet, who loves David, comes to him and confronted him with the goal of restoration, right? And Nathan, the prophet, said to David, David, let me just tell you a little story. Let me just tell you a little story. There was once this really rich shepherd guy. He had a lot of lambs, a lot of lambs. And then there was right next to him this really poor little, you know, little shepherd guy. And he had just one little itty bitty lamb. Just what, can you believe? Just had one little lamb. And then this beggar came along. And he came to the rich the rich guy with all the sheep, and he said, I'm hungry. And you know what the rich 
you know, guy with all the sheep did? And David's like, what? What did he do? He stepped over all of his thousands of sheep and he went to this little poor little guy's lamb and he took him and he killed him. And this guy loved his little lamb. He would keep him in the house and he would take care of this little lamb. He loved it like it was his best friend. And so then he takes the rich man, takes the lamb from the poor guy. He kills him, chops him up, and gives it to the beggar. And David is hearing the story, and he said, what? That's the worst story I ever heard. Nathan, why did you tell me that story? That's, and it, is that true? If that's true, that guy should die. I will not stand for that. That's an injustice. Let's read about it in the passage here in the book of Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Verse seven, then Nathan, the prophet, looked at David, the offender, and said, Ata haish. It's a Hebrew phrase, which means you are that man. You did it. You're the two-faced. You're the offender. You're the hypocrite. And I can guarantee you, every time you and I are being two-faced, God is looking down and he's saying, Ata haish. Or if you're a woman, Ata haisha. You're the woman. You're the man. Can guarantee you over and over again. That's why Jesus said this. He quit going around, you know, he, he, he would tell people, quit going around looking at the speck in other people's eyes when you have a log in your eye, right? Quit going around trying to pick out the little things. And one of the best things that we could do as followers of Jesus is stop being one of those one of those Christians that are policing everybody else, right? On the little things that don't really matter, criticizing, confronting without love. Instead, say, God, where is the two-faced in me? Because I promise you, if you do that, God will reveal something to you. In fact, some of you today, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you right now. He falls upon you and that you would say, how two-faced in my life, God, if there's anything in my life, show me. Some of you, it's like, well, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but, you know, I love Jesus, and, but you're looking at porn every single day, right? You're, you're, you're gripped by pornography. What is that? That's called being two-faced, right? You're, you're a woman who says, well, hey, I'm a woman of God, and yet everywhere you go, you disrespect and you criticize your husband. What is that? You pick them apart. That's being two-faced, right? Some of you, oh yeah, let's go worship God. It's Sunday, let's, but last night, where were you? Getting drunk at a bar, right? That's called being two-faced. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, but you've never given or you've never served anywhere. The greatest is the one who serves, the Bible says, and you're not serving, you're not giving. This is your attitude. Oh, I'm all right with God, it's okay. I'm not judgmental. Listen, you're being two-faced. I'm confronting a guy. I was being two-faced as well. I'm confronting a guy, you know, about yelling and being angry, and I'm here threatening and yelling at my boys. What am I being? I'm being uh, every time I point, what am I doing? I got three fingers pointing right back at me, right? Right? You point your finger at someone else, and you, you know what? We just pointed at us this time. We say, God, show me. Where am I being two-faced in my life? Some of you are guilty of that. 
oh, I'm a follower of Jesus and I love my family. No, you're working yourself to death and your family doesn't know you. The question is, and the prayer is, God, would you show me how I am being two-faced? Show me where my heart has drifted from you. And when David realized that, he was being two-faced. Guess what he did? He very humbly prayed before God in Psalm 51. This beautiful prayer, and I want to read it to you. He said this, God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Oh God, create in me a pure heart and renew a stead, convict in me by the Spirit of God. When, where I'm being two-faced, God, just show me, open up my heart. Say, God, I don't want my lips to say one thing and my heart to be far from you. Create in me a pure heart, oh God. You know, because unfortunately, I'm one of those two-faced people. I am. I want to pray for us today. Would you bow your heads and let me pray. Father, I pray today that your spirit would do a work in your church that would transform us to be more like your son, Jesus. And as you're praying today, there are those of you right now that God has very clearly convicted you of sin. And you're going to repent. And he's going to hear your cry. And he has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And you can be different. Others of you, I pray that you would be very open to ask God, God, is there anything in me that is unclean? Would you search me, O God, and know my heart? Try me, test me, and see if there's anything anxious ways in me. Show me, God, how I am two-faced in my life. Those of you who would say that, you know, I really want to be the real deal. I want my life to reflect the love of Christ. I, I, I don't want to be a, a play actor. I want to say one thing, and I don't want to say one thing and do something else, God. Show me any sin in my life that you may cleanse it, and that I can be more like Jesus. And so to all the followers of Jesus who are willing to pray that today, would you just simply stand with me right now? Just stand with me before God in a moment of humility. And by standing, you're saying, God, I'm standing in the need of prayer. I need prayer right now. I need you. Man, thank you. I love our church. I love the hunger for God that is here. And so God, I, I just thank you today that, that there won't be conversations this week pointing the finger at other people and saying, you're being two-faced. My spouse is being two-faced. My children are being two-faced. God, I pray that as we talk it over in our, in, our, in our groups or with our friends or with our family, that we'd be open to what you would say to us, God for all the areas of our lives that, that are inconsistent with your word, God, show us and forgive us and cleanse us and create in us a pure heart that our lives would glorify you in every way. God, do a work, a healing work that as we seek you, you would show us, God. And as you're praying today, I talk to a lot of those who are followers of Jesus. Some of you today, as you look at your life, you're gonna, today, you're gonna recognize very clearly that you've gotta be honest, you are not walking with God. You're not doing life with God. You're not. It's the honest truth. You have to call it what it is. I'm not. The, the good news, though, is that God brought you here today because God cares for you. He loves you, and he's reaching out to you. And the challenge in our world today is that we often think, well, I'm, I'm going to come to God when I've got everything right, right? When my life is right first, I've got to stop doing the bad things first, and then, you know, I just got to clean myself up first, and then, you know, I'll come to God. Let me just tell you, that's not the right order. 
It is completely impossible for you to clean your life up good enough for God to accept you. So just get that out of your mind right now, all right? That it's a lie from the evil one that you can't do it. What does God want? God wants you, and listen carefully, God wants you to come to him right now as you are, as you are, full of sin and full of being two-faced because that's what we all are, right? We're all sinners in the, eye, in the eyes of a holy God and, and we can never be good enough for God and that's why God sent Jesus, his son, who was without sin to shed his blood on a cruel cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus was raised from the dead so that anyone who calls on his name will be saved, anyone. And that includes you, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is right now, when you call on him, you will be forgiven. You will be transformed. And may I say, that is why you're here today. Because God brought you here for this moment to step out of yourself, to step into him, to call on Jesus, and he will make you new. And you know it. You're not walking with God, and it's time today. Today's the day. You say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you, make me new. If that's your prayer today, I'm gonna simply ask you to lift your hands high right now, all over this place. Lift them up and leave them up, if you will. See these hands all over. Praise God for you right here in this middle section. Praise God for you over here, sir. God bless you. Praise God for you, ma'am and sir. God bless you. Others of you, lift up high. I, I wanna see your, your eyes right now. Lift them up. I see that hand. God bless you right back here in the middle section. God bless you, others of you. Thank you, God. I see that hand in the back, yes. See that hand in the back, God bless you. Thank you, God. We're gonna say a prayer today and I'm gonna invite everybody to just surrender this prayer. Everybody pray aloud together. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus. He died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, so I can serve you, so I can walk with you daily. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Terrell Vineyard, DV, would you celebrate with me? Would you get loud and thank God? And welcome those born into God's family today. Thank you, God. You all may be seated.